reading from Hebrews 12, first four verses. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to look into your word. I pray that you would guide my mouth and open the ears of all of your people here to hear it and to understand it, that we may live by it. For your words are words of life and of truth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, I've been meditating on the victory that Christ won. And that victory is not just at the cross, but really throughout his whole life. Every moment of his life, every decision he made where he didn't sin was a victory on our behalf. Because remember that while our lives every day are replete with sins to various degrees and full of temptation that we with various degrees of success resist, Christ, though, suffered in every way that we did, yet without sin. So every moment that we face a challenge and often stumble, he faced challenges too, but did not stumble and was victorious. This passage here in Hebrews lays out for us some perspective on running this race of the Christian life, our day-by-day walk with him. And it speaks of running it well, having victory in our walk or run in this race. And isn't that what we want after all, right? We want to finish this race well, to have victory in it. Maybe it's just because I'm so competitive when given the opportunity. Uh, Perhaps you're the same, but I don't want to lose this race. This is not a race worth losing. So how are we instructed to run this race well? And I want to focus out of these four verses uh, simply on verse 2, reading that again. The advice is from the author, Look unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The key point overall there in that first clause is look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus. This admonition to focus our attention on the Lord is repeated again in verse 3, where it says, consider him, him being Christ, um, but focusing on verse 3. So this is not an isolated idea. It's repeated even within these few verses. It's repeated elsewhere uh, throughout Scripture, of course. Look unto Jesus. Focus our attention on Him. Four things in verse 2. First, focus on the fact, look unto Him for the fact that He is the author and the finisher of our faith. You might say, what does this have to do? How does this relate to me having victory in my walk? Well, the fact is, we did not begin or create our saving faith. Other people might think so, think they added to it or had some uh, part to play in its beginning, but no, we don't begin it, we didn't conceive of it, and we certainly do not finish it in and of ourselves. It was, is, and always will be a gift of God. The reason this can contribute to our joy and our victory is knowing that what is settled 
or what is stated in the mind of God is settled. There is no question as to whether it will be finished successfully. If God has granted you saving faith by his grace a minute ago, a week ago, a year ago, a decade ago, it will be finished. God is faithful to finish the good work he has begun in you. If we think we're the author or finisher of it, we might have doubts at times. We will have weakness at times. And if that weakness leads to a catastrophic failure, we certainly are doomed. But that is not the case. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So look unto him in that regard to finish the race well. Secondly, we're instructed to look unto Jesus to keep in mind that he endured the cross, as it's worded here, for the joy that was set before him. At first read, that might say, why? How is that possible? Crazy thing to say. The cross, of course, was incredibly painful. I mean, you can watch movies that perhaps exaggerate it. You can read historical studies as to the great suffering that was inflicted on people uh, sentenced to death in this cruel way. Incredibly painful, but yet he had joy in it. That's what Scripture plainly states here for us. It might seem crazy to the natural man, but when we see what Christ had to look forward to, that's where the joy was, right? The joy was in the victory that came after the suffering. Jesus looked beyond that short-term difficulty at the cross, looking beyond those present difficulties to the glorious result that brought him joy. This is a huge lesson, really, for uh, so many of life's endeavors, that long-term gain often comes at the cost of short-term difficulty. Uh, Last few Sunday afternoons, my family and I have been reading to them a biography of Louis Zamperini. We're about halfway through, and I can look at the cover, and I can read the back, so I kind of know where this story is headed, but I don't know all the details. Uh, But as far as we've gotten, we've learned that he was a lazy scoundrel in his youth, uh, stealing things, beating people up, hopping trains to get away from chores and things like this. Um, But his older brother, who was an accomplished runner on the high school track team, (coughs) uh, challenged him to have a little discipline, to try harder, to be willing to uh, have some soreness of his feet and to see what that could lead to, some fun times, so good success. And it turns out that God had remarkably blessed this young man, Louis, with skill in running. He ends up getting a scholarship to college, he qualifies for the Olympics, I mean, really incredible uh, what God was giving him by way of a gift of running. And it was in the midst of uh, one of those qualifying races, maybe it was for the 1936 Olympics, I can't remember, Uh, but it tells this story about uh, how he persevered in a race. Uh, I don't know if his foot was stepped on or he's being pushed off the sidelines. I forget the details, but he just bolted the last half of the race and I don't think he won it, but like second place or something. And the fact was he endured that pain. You know, if you've read anything about um, who's the, uh, the cyclist, uh, the one who was, had to give up all his medals, Lance Armstrong, right? What made him so great was his ability to persevere through pain. Nobody else was able to tolerate the pain of that athletic event as well as he was. Therefore, he could push himself harder and had those victories. Maybe it was the blood doping and the drugs that allowed him to do that, right? But the point being, Mr. Zamperini, Mr. Armstrong, so many athletes learn that by pushing through that temporary pain, you can get to great results, God willing. So that is the point here. Short-term difficulty can lead to long-term joy. That is what Jesus did on our behalf. That is how we can look to Jesus and be challenged in our own lives to persevere. 
Thirdly, it says here that we're to look unto Jesus, unto Jesus who despised the shame. Uh, this is connected to the previous clause, looking ahead to the joy. He also persevered in despising the shame. Our normal use of the word despising just is a really, uh, I'd say, an amplified version of to dislike. You know, we really hate something. We really, really hate something. We despise it. But properly, and as it's used here, translated from the Greek, the word despise has more of a sort of looking down on and setting aside. You hate it so much that you just put it out of your vision. You kind of don't let it bother you in a sense. So to deride or to look down on, to spurn, to just you know, kick it out of your mind because you dislike it so much. So Jesus, remember, fielded incredible insults. You know, this is not just at the cross. This is at this trial before the various governors. This is by the Pharisees and scribes and different leaders who came and tried to entrap him. Throughout his life, he received scorn. Did he answer back a snipey word? Did he insult in return? No. He despised it, set it aside with his eyes focused on the joy before him, knowing that he was above it and need not be bothered by it. So we can look unto Jesus who did that for us. And fourth, we're to look unto Jesus who has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This also speaks to that long-term vision. What was it Jesus was looking forward to with joy? What did he persevere through the shame and through the pain for? He knew, settled in eternity past, he would be seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Of course, this speaks to the completed work of redemption. Having done that work, he was seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He accomplished everything that the Father had set him to do, truly finished. He's ruling and reigning, actively defeating all of our and his enemies. Nothing and no one can bother him or question his power. Thus it is these aspects of Christ's life and work from which we can gain encouragement in our walk. So the point here is don't look to your challenges, your weakness, your next day and its trials, but look unto Jesus in these four ways. He endured great suffering. He cast it aside, cast aside the shame poured on him by others for the sake of the joy that was set before him. He has accomplished it. He is presently seated at the right hand of God where he rules over his kingdom, of which we are by grace a part. So friends, take comfort. There is a race set before us. We can't set aside the race. We can't opt out, take a sick day. There is a race set before us. Join the race. Join it with joy. Do not fear or shrink back. Keep your mind, your heart, your will, your affections, your whole being focused on Christ. He knows his own and will not lose one. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your beloved son, whom you did not uh, hold back in heaven and keep next to you, but sent to this earth to die for us and are now rejoined to him with him at your right hand. I pray that as we approach this table today, all of us would grow in faith, knowing the great sufferings that Christ endured for us, not just in body, but uh, that which received in his ear and in his heart as people wounded him. And Lord, may we, as we uh, contemplate his suffering, know the great cost of that redemption and know the great victory he has purchased for us. May it be so in Jesus' name. Amen.